Brandon. Yeah. Welcome. Hey. Thank you for coming. Hey, no problem. I man. appreciate it. Yeah. So, uh, Brandon, uh, Brandon Samples with AMS American Mortgage Source. I like. I've been wanting to get you on since I started this, yeah. and I'm I'm pretty stoked about it. Uh, so, Brandon handles pretty much all of my loans, and and there's a reason. Uh, I think I'm a big believer in working with a mortgage broker because it is so great to be able to just pick up your phone and call someone, yeah. ask a question, right. and you'd be blown away with how often you're at a showing and someone's asking like very particular mm. lending questions, right? And and they want some numbers or they want questions answered, and it's not my forte, you yeah. know. And so you can't just call the bank, you know, and. Uh, press one, you know, get to an operator and then, you know, Hey, can I talk to your, your lending guy? You know, it's, it just doesn't work like that. Yeah. So having a phone number where you can call and just talk to someone has proved invaluable. Yeah. And so first of all, thank you for all that. Hey, no problem, man. Yeah. I, I can't tell you how many times I've called, you know, 1-800 numbers and just get me to a person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And call systems right now yes. are ridiculous. Yeah. I like mean, you can't get through to anyone. Oh, it's just, you know, directory after directory. And yeah, you know, and I can't tell you how many times I, I go and I do that, you know, calling different people trying to get different services. And they're like, actually, this is the wrong number. And by the end of all that, you're just like, oh, my <laughs> gosh, like, <laughs> I just wasted 35 minutes on hold. And yeah. now I've got to call again. Yeah, this is yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. So, um, man, I, I wanted to get you on because I thought it'd be cool to uh, one, eventually talk a little bit about mortgage, finance, mm. different loan programs that are out there and everything. Um, but for like whoever might be watching, I kind of want them to get a feel for, you know, who you are, mm -hmm. um, kind of how you got into this and, and some things like that. So um, now, are, were you born and raised in Edmond? Yeah. So I am <clears throat> born and raised in Edmond. Um, I mean, went to elementary, middle, high school, all through Edmond. Nice. Um, <clears throat> graduated from Edmond Memorial in 2011. And then uh, headed up north to Stillwater. Went to college there. Okay, uh, you went to OSU. Yeah, went to OSU. Dude, I didn't know that. Yeah. Okay. Went there. My uh, my wife's a OSU alum. Oh, okay. She's a theater grad. Oh, okay, great. Yeah. yeah. When when did she go? Uh, so I think she graduated in fourteen, mm -hmm. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I so I was there from eleven to just the beginning of 15. So I did okay. an extra semester. Okay. Yeah. Nice. So she, you know, she was going for theater. Uh, she wanted to work on movies yep. and, uh, you know, she, she got, she got to, she still does it. She loves it. Um, but she had like her junior year, I think she was working in film like full time. And so she had decided to like, you know, put school on hold and she was working. And then I think work kind of slowed down and she was like, you know what? I only need like three classes to knock out this degree. And so then she went back and finished up. And right. So, yeah. But anyway, that's cool. I bet you guys probably cross paths. At some I point. mean, it's very likely. I yeah. Mean, that's crazy. Small world. Yeah. And so what did you go to school for? Yeah. I went to school for accounting, which okay. is why I'm doing what I'm doing now. Because yes. <laughs> I mean, if you go to school for accounting and you can stick it out, I mean, being the CPA route and all that stuff, um, you know, I had some opportunities to do that. And uh, my uncle, you know, did that for a long time. And uh, I, I got connected in that circle. And you know, after four years of doing it, just realized it really wasn't for me. <laughs> so you're actually working as a CPA? No, I, okay. so I, I had some opportunities to kind of get in that line of work, but by my junior or senior year, I was like, I, I can't do this forever. Yeah. Just sitting behind a desk and crunching numbers. No it just, way. I, I, I like to interact with people. I like people. So I, yeah, it just wasn't my thing. Well, and as you know, that's, that's my same thing too. And yeah. I, that might be why we vibe so well and we're able to get these deals done that, might otherwise not get done. There's yeah. some that we've done where 
like we had to jump through some hoops. Yeah, I mean, yeah, definitely. <laughs> but that, that's the name of the game. And, you know, I mean, I, I, I enjoy doing it. And I, I think, you know, just getting to see people get in their houses. I mean, it, it's all worth it. For yeah. Sure. yeah. Yeah. So do you have that sort of analytical mind where like you see numbers in a different way and, you know, you're able to kind of just see them and understand them? I mean, so... I mean, I've, I've been doing numbers for, you know, a long, long time. I don't know if I have like some special gift or something, but I mean, you're not right. No, no, uh, by no means. But I mean, it was easy to make the transition into this financial, you know, area. And it it is nice to be able to like fall back on that understanding because, you know, when you're talking with clients and they want to know specifics on different things to be able to pick up on that really fast and, you know, get that to them and not be like, hold on, let let me, it it makes it a little bit easier to to kind of communicate that. Yeah, for sure. Well, and it's, uh, it's one of those things that, you know, like, so I've only been in real estate since, um, March of 2021. Mm -hmm. Uh, so like I've, I've had a fair amount of experience. I mean, we've closed, we've closed 15, uh, so 15 deals so far. And then after Friday, that'll be up to 18. Yep. So, which is awesome. So I've almost got 20 under my belt. Right. Uh, and one of the things I've realized is that you definitely do not always have the answers. Right. Uh, so it's important to, like, if I'm a believer anyway, that if I don't have the answer, I can get it. I'm a big believer in having, you know, the, the people around me that I know can answer those questions. Mm-hmm. You, of course, being one of them. Right. So. Yeah, I think it's funny. You know, growing up, I, I always saw professionals as these people that always had all the answers. Yeah. yeah and then, then you realize you're kind of grown up and you're like, wait, I still don't have all the answers. Yeah. So it's like, you Isn't know. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Well, and I, I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think, you know, you might not always have the answers, but I mean, just say you don't know and then mm-hmm. find the answers, come back. I feel like a lot of people get caught up in thinking that they always have to have the answers, but yes, uh, I don't know. I think that something I appreciate about you, the way that you do that. So, well, man, I, I heard once and, uh, I can't remember what book I was reading this in, but I, I remember there's this thing about Henry Ford. And at one point, you know, he was, uh, he was producing things for a lower cost than anyone else could. Mm-hmm. And he was paying his employees a higher wage than anyone else could. And so like a lot of his competitors were getting together and they were saying, you know, Henry Ford's a madman, a madman. He's going to destroy the auto industry. And, and they said he didn't know what he was doing. And they actually ended up taking him to court. And uh, there there was a uh, they were trying to say that he was basically a, a, uh, incompetent and he shouldn't be running uh, Ford Motor Company and they wanted to replace him. And so he's sitting on the stand and they're asking him questions like, um, you know, how many soldiers did the French bring over in the Revolutionary War? How many of those soldiers went back to France after the war? And like all these stupid questions. And, and you know, he's given these answers like, um, you know, I can't tell you how many came over, but um, significantly fewer ended up going back. And and so they, they end up giving him a hard time. And uh, he says, listen, you know, I might not have all of these answers, Um, but I also don't think that filling my mind full of useless facts is the best way to utilize my potential. Instead, I have an electric switch panel on my desk that allows me to summon in a a man who can answer any question that I can come up with. And I heard that and I was like, man, that's what it's about. Like you don't always have to have the answer, but you just, you have to know how to get it. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I think that's so cool. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I digress. I, <laughs> <laughs> I went through this phase, um, you know, so before I got into real estate, I was, uh, I was farming mm-hmm. with my father-in-law and I spent a lot of time on the tractor 
Oh, okay. And uh, so I would read or I would listen to audiobooks like constantly. So I read a lot of biographies and, you know, a lot of psychology stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's just like I found out I was kind of fascinated by that stuff. And right. so it stuck with me. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So anyway, um, I ended up meeting you through your dad. Yes. Who's also in the mortgage business. Mm-hmm. And he, he started AMS? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So we were working at a bank previously to this. And uh, we've always wanted to go out and, you know, do our own thing eventually. Um, and so last uh, January or February, um, I believe it was, that I came over full time and started this thing with him, uh, you know, just to get our own our own practice going. Um you know, we really wanted to have more control of the process and, you know, being able to cater to our clients. And we felt, you know, previously to that, we were getting a little bit too big and there was too many people involved. And so, uh, too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, there were, there was too many cooks, cooks in the kitchen. And so, I mean, it's been awesome. Uh, you know, I, I grew up in Edmond and I do primarily, you know, Dallas and Oklahoma city area now. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's been a lot of fun to, you know, have, uh, just people coming and, you know, wanting to get homes and being able to figure out ways that they, they might not have been able to, you know, find homes or finance homes uh, and get those people settled. I, I think that's been really cool and rewarding. Because, uh, I mean, you know, th- this business is, you know, madness at times. And sometimes yes. you're like sitting at your desk thinking, why in the heck am I doing <laughs> this, right? But I-, I think it's been really rewarding um, to, you know, help people figure out ways to get their family situated and get in a home and, you know. Yeah. Th- and it's not e- it's not always easy. No. There's uh, a... <laughs> <yeah. laughs> if you want, you can pull that a little closer, oh, too, if you yeah. want to sit back. Yeah. Uh, so... One of the things that we've been going through a lot is working on these USDA deals. Yes. And so uh, we're finding out that those aren't always cut and dry. No. But, like, to your point, they're huge in terms of potential to help people find these solutions to get into Mm -hmm. homes. Because a lot of people don't have much money to put down Mm -hmm. on a place. Yeah, well, and, you know, with where the market's going right now, you know, house prices are getting more and more expensive which is causing more and more, you know, assets needed to be put into the house just to have a down payment, you know, and USDA is awesome about that. You know, you don't have to have any money to get in, just pay your closing costs and, you know, you get to build an asset for your family, you know, create generational wealth, a place to, you know, call your home, which is is really, really cool. And I think that's awesome about Guthrie, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure all of Logan County is in USDA. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And so as far as I'm aware. Yeah, and so I, I think it's, I mean, and it's not a small place. Like, no, it's uh, Yeah, huge. yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, I just drove down, you know, the main street just going through town, and I mean, it, it's so cool, the the uh, buildings. I mean, there's so much character, um, and just seeing the way that the town is, like, centered around it is really cool. Um, and, and it's growing. Yes. It's growing real fast. Yeah. And you kind of, you see it like on a daily basis, mm-hmm. but then when you talk to, this is hilarious. There's sometimes you talk to some of the locals that are, you know, there's some uh, grumpy old guy at the yeah. hardware store or something. And, um, he'll, he'll be talking about how much Guthrie's growing and, you know, we're talking like real estate mm-hmm. type stuff. And I, I tell him, yeah, you know, I'm helping these folks with moving from out of state. And he's like, are they coming from California? <laughs> oh, it's California's, you know, and they'll, yeah. they'll get all upset about it. But this guy was telling me a story about how, um, just 
how he can tell there's more people coming into town just by the traffic. Yeah. You know, he was saying on South Division, it used to be that you could pull out of the hardware store and make a left without any trouble. Now there's too many cars. You can't. And so yeah. he, was, he was upset about it. But. That's a problem, man. You yeah. gotta make, there's no hesitation. Just know, no right? yielding. We need some stoplights. Yeah. Come on, Absolutely. Logan County. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, it, it really is cool um, that you can get into a house without a down payment. I feel like not a lot of people know that. No. Um, because it, it is, you know, you know, you have to be in the right geographical spot to, to be yes. able to qualify. But I, I think it really is important, you know, because not everybody has $20,000 to put down on a house. I mean, yeah. and, and a lot of people, you know, that I talk to think that you have to have 20% down, you know, and that's definitely well, not true. Yeah. And so I had just been, I use um, a Chicago Titles CTO agent app to do like uh, buyer estimates and, mm-hmm. and net to sellers. And <clears throat> I was doing some comparisons uh, I was looking at a conventional loan, an FHA, and a USDA on a $250,000 purchase. Mm-hmm. And it was wild to look at these numbers because even if, you, if say you're on a conventional, you're putting 5% down mm-hmm. on a $250,000 house, the monthly payment was like just shy of 1800 I want to say it was like seventeen seventy-five, but your cash to close was a little over $21,000. Mm-hmm. And then you look at a USDA loan, same house. And your your monthly payment is now just over seventeen hundred a month, mm-hmm. and your cash to close was like forty nine hundred dollars. Yeah, it's I, like it's how, crazy. The so difference. you're getting a lower monthly payment. Yeah, and you're putting less cash down. Like, how does that math even work out? Yeah, well, I mean, th- there's a lot of things that go into it, but I, I think essentially, you know, some of these government loans that they, they traditionally have a lower interest rate. You know, so okay. uh, a lot of the difference that you're going to see is, you know, conventional loans are typically going to have a little smaller mortgage insurance if you have mortgage insurance on your home, but the interest rate, um, you know, rule of thumb is going to be a good bit lower on okay. a government loan, which USDA is, and so. Um, they, they do have a really good product as far as making it affordable. I, I would say, you know, if you're planning on living in a place for at least two or three years, USDA is a no brainer because you can build really? a little equity in it. And I mean, hopefully you're there longer, but I mean, if not, at least you can make your money back and get into another place. And yeah. So do you hear that a lot? Are people concerned about not, um, bringing enough equity into the house if they put no money down? No, I, I've actually never heard anybody okay. like worried about it's that. Kind of the opposite. Yeah, right. right. Well, and I, I think you know the the difference is is you know with the market kind of doing what it's doing, you're not really risking any of your assets in the home. The equity kind of yeah. just is the equity, right? Yeah. And so I, I talk to a lot of people that are putting in you know different amounts. And I'm like, man, it makes sense to go USDA if you can, mm-hmm. because you get to keep cash reserves if you need it for whatever, right? It's yes. like the last thing that you want to do is, you know, spend all your money on one thing and then car breaks down or wh- whatever, you know, you're just strapped. Yeah. Right. So, or, may- or yeah, spend all your money getting into the house yeah. and then like your hot water heater breaks. Yeah. <laughs> you're yeah. like, oh, I can't, yeah. I can't afford to replace the hot water heater. Yeah. This is a really expensive cold shower. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Uh, so is USDA for everybody, for, for everyone? So I, I wouldn't say it's for everyone, but I think if you're in Logan County, I mean, it's definitely worth, worth looking at. I think, you know, there, there are some caveats to getting in the USDA. Um, there are some income limits and credit limits. So, okay. you know, if you, you have, you know, a lower credit score, maybe USDA isn't something that you can actually get into. I think, you know, traditionally you want to have around a 660 to do a traditional USDA, but you can qualify on a manual underwrite. If you are below that, it just kind of varies case to case. Um, yeah. And the USDA just kind of makes a decision and looks at your file as a whole and says yes or no. 
Um, what, is, what is what is manual underwrite exactly? Because we like we've got one file right now that yeah, that it's had to go under- through manual underwrite. Yeah, so I mean, essentially, <laughs> a manual underwrite is just going to be scrutinized harder. I mean, okay. essentially, you're deemed a riskier borrower, right? Okay. With, by whatever terms that they qualify people at, they say you're a little bit below that, and so there's definitely some more hoops to jump through. I think you've seen that, but yeah. uh, it's definitely. I mean, if you want the house, it's definitely worth doing. It's nothing that you can't overcome. I mean, you just you, you kind of got to show a little bit more. I, I always, you know, talk to people um, about showing me documentation and like, I mean, uh, it, it's a weird way to say it, but you're basically having to get naked in front of your, your lender, right? It's like, <laughs> this is how much money I make. That's this is how really much, good way to yeah, say it. it's like, you're, you're showing everything, right? Yeah. Um, and so they, they just ask a little bit more questions, but it, okay. it's nothing crazy. Okay. Yeah. Man. But that there, there's also some income limits on it. And so I think traditionally for a four person house in Logan County, you know, the income limit for the entire household has to be under like 75,000 a okay. year. And so if you make over that, then you might not qualify. And, and USDA is kind of <laughs> a little bit fluid. Like you can run things and just see, but that's kind of rule of thumb that okay. they, they want to see. So what's the like you know what's the the sort of plan if someone's trying to go USDA and then for one reason or another they're not able to meet all of the USDA requirements like where do you go from there do, can they still buy the house or Yeah well I mean there there's a lot of loan products out there right and mm-hmm. so I mean for 0% down that that's really the only way that you're going to get in a house with zero down payment but yeah. you could do FHA you could do conventional um, FHA, you know, it's a three and a half percent down payment. So it's the second smallest down payment that you can make on a house. Um, which I mean, you can go down to a 580 credit score on an FHA. And, wow. uh, I mean, those guidelines are changing like crazy. I, I feel like with house values going up and things kind of doing what they're doing, I mean, FHA loan limits are looking to go up. Conventional loan limits have gone up over, you know, a hundred thousand in the last year. So, yeah, it's up to like four. What is it? Four thirty. Well, or? so that's FHA, but conventional is up to six hundred forty-seven thousand, like two hundred. Wow. So, and before it was like five hundred forty-eight thousand. Okay. Yeah. So. Dang. Yeah. So it's is moving. that is that just because the like median price is going up in some mm-hmm. areas? Yeah, because I mean, they're, they're having to make some adjustments just so I mean normal people can continue to have these standard loan products because anything over that would be a jumbo loan as far as you know the 640,000 or whatever, it would no longer be a conventional be jumbo. Okay. Yeah. Is that just what they call a loan that's over that amount? Yeah. And and pricing changes, rates change. I mean, there's just some things that shift. I mean, it's pretty much a different product altogether. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Man, I, I, for some reason, jumbo, like whenever I hear that, I think like multi-million dollar. Yeah, no, it's not. But, no. I mean, it, it could be 670000 Like, Wow. Yeah, and, and that's not the sales price. It's just a loan amount, right? So, yeah. But I, that's typically what I think of, too. Yeah. Right? It's like Something you're making massive. million, $1.5 million. Yeah. 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 I think, I think uh, you know, there's that term like jumbo jet. For some reason, that's stuck <laughs> way in the back of my head. So I think huge. Yeah. But, uh, okay, cool. So we've got USDA. Mm-hmm. We've got FHA. Right. And we've got conventional. Yeah. Conventional, you can go as low as 5% down. Yes. But a lot of people seem to think that it's you, you have to put 20% down. Yeah. And so, yeah, you can go 5%. I mean, there's some products where you can do a conventional loan at 3%. Um, okay. It's called a home ready loan. And so, but I mean, it's like all these loans, there's caveats, right? It's yeah. like, yeah, you can, you know, 3%, but, and so it's like, there, there's certain things that have to go into that. Like there's an income limit on that. They want to make sure like... And so there's that, and that's why it's really important, I think, to have a, you know, a broker, right? Yes. That that can 
you know, do all these different programs. And so, you know, if you go to a traditional bank, I mean, it might be great for a cookie cutter, you know, you have a good credit score, you have this, this, and this. Um, but you know, once you start getting out of that mold, I mean, anybody can do a cookie cutter loan, you know, sure. you, you can, you can go to a bank, you can go wherever, but if you're trying to do anything outside of that, it, it gets a little bit more tricky. And that's when you want more of that, you know, yeah. human, human interaction. Well, and, and not just that, I mean, yeah, a- anyone can do that cookie cutter loan. Um, I did one with, uh, Wells Fargo mm-hmm. once. Yeah. Maybe I shouldn't have said that, but <laughs> you know, big bank. Yeah. The, the, the issue I found was that the communication just wasn't there. Mm-hmm. You know, they've got like their, their loan processor and they're the only one that's really handling the file. Mm-hmm. Um, and they may or may not be in the office that day. Right. They might be on leave or PTO mm-hmm. or whatever. And so you might be trying to get some questions answered and no one's responding. Right. And that's always a headache. And I, I feel like with those bigger banks, there's a lot of sort of bureaucracy and, and mm-hmm. red tape and you just kind of have to like work around all of their policies mm-hmm. and all of their stuff. And so it's been really beneficial having you and just being able to reach out and just mm-hmm. have that human to human connection and get the mm-hmm. question answered or mm-hmm. get an update or, you know, whatever it is. Right. Um, and I, I think a lot of people who bank with some of those larger banks um, you know, when they think about buying a home, their default is, you know, I'll just, you know, apply online or mm-hmm. I'll go in and ask the mortgage guy at the branch or whatever it is, which I'm sure is fine for those people that, like you said, their, their credit's good, income's good, mm-hmm. you know, cookie cutter type stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been wonderful being able to like send someone your way and just kind of let you guys hash out, you know, mm-hmm. the, the credit, the income and all the different qualifications and just, you know, then you can come back and say, Hey, this is the best fit for them. This is what mm-hmm. we talked about. And, you know, here's how I think we should proceed. Absolutely. And, you know, the big banks, I mean, really that their volume is what keeps them in business, right? They have, I mean, they have the name, like everybody knows who Wells Fargo is. Like yeah. when you said American mortgage source, people are probably like Googling me, but yeah, yeah right. it's like, <laughs> but I, I think, you know, that's the big thing is, you know, they, they get the volume and that's, that's how, you know, they get their business and, and make their profit. And so, you're, you're just one out of a large pool. And so something that might be really important to you, you know, closing dates, specifics, you know, those things can fall through the cracks because, yeah. you know, even if the processor is there, you know, they might have 15, 20 other files that they're working on. That's true. And, you know, they just might not get to it, you know, and so. It's like an assembly line. Right. You know, and for them, they're detached from mm-hmm. everything, mm-hmm. you know, so it's just, uh, hey, here's what it is, yeah. here's what it is. They're not trying to, like, we're jumping through hoops Mm -hmm. that are on fire with a tiger on our ass, you know, and we're trying to like figure this stuff out and they're like, I'm sorry, we can't do it. Yeah. Or, you know, if you get to a hard, hard, you know, part in in the process, you know, what are they willing to do to get that fixed? Yeah. Right. And so even the red tape, it's like, you know, when you go to a broker, I have several different people that I can go through and and just kind of vet the process. If I see an issue and say, Hey, what are you going to do? if Like I bring you alone with this. Right. Okay. And and they're like, okay, this is exactly what we can do. If you bring that, yeah, we can definitely do that. We'll work through this process. Like we, we have a loan with no, like a traditional no credit right now. Like I had to call several different lenders and say, Hey, how are you going to handle this? What's going to be the process? How are we going to get this done? And there was a couple of people that said, you know, actually we're, we're not going to do that, you know? And so it's just having that, you know, it's being agile, right. And, And adapting to the market and, you know, what your customer needs and, and being able to fit those, you know, needs. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a, that's a really good point. Um, so as a broker, you've got 
more avenues mm -hmm. to sort of check into or, yeah. or to find those solutions. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Very cool, man. I, that, um, no credit score kind of tripped me out cause I didn't know we could do no yeah. credit score loans. Yeah. Well, it, it's only if you legitimately have no credit. So if okay. you, if you've had no trade lines, like there's nothing coming back, you know, it's for somebody that's never had a credit card, car payment, that kind of thing. Okay. Like if you just absolutely like, not, yeah, like literally no credit. Okay. And so that there's definitely avenues to do that and get it done. Um, but if you just have like bad credit, you know, that, that, <laughs> yeah, that's not, no yeah, credit. yeah, that's, that's not the same. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, so that one was interesting because we were going to run that through conventional, Mm -hmm. Um, because we basically had one of the parents was stepping in, they're going to help yeah. the child buy. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we we're going to go conventional ended up mm -hmm. finding out that that wasn't the best way forward. How did you end up putting that together? Yeah. I mean, it's just by going to these different lenders. Right. Um, so I have a lot of people that I partner with that are really, really good and that, you know, make my job easier. Mm -hmm. Um, and they know their product up and down. And when I ask them a question, they, they just kind of know the answer. And so, um, I can take, you know, your specific scenario. Everybody's got something wonky, right? It's like, well, yes. what is this? Like, and that, that's when I take that, you know, scenario and I, I want to make sure that I'm taking it through. That's really going to make it the most easy on your client. And so that's what I did is, you know, I, I took the loan and, you know, ran the process through a couple of my people. And, you know, the one that sounded like was going to make the process the most easy because buying a house is hard. Like, I, I don't know, like when people talk about the housing market and they're like, well, it's going to crash again. I'm like, well, getting a loan is really hard. Like yeah. there, there might be something that, you know, I'm not looking at, but. Well, this like, isn't like, and I, I remember, I don't mean to cut you off, but when I bought my first house in 2007, I remember. Great time to buy. It was fantastic, <laughs> man. And I had plans too. I was like, mm -hmm. I was like, okay, I'm going to live in this house for two years. Then I'm going to rent it out and buy another one and like all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And, um, that didn't end up happening yeah. because well, and back to the loan process, um, I didn't know what I was doing Yeah. and I didn't have an agent. I had literally, there's a, a new development coming in. Mm -hmm. I had gone to the builder directly. They linked me up with a lender and kind of just started putting everything together. Mm -hmm. So I was just doing what everyone told me to do. Right. And I remember sitting, meeting with this lender and, uh, we, I was giving him all of my, uh, income and my bills and everything. And we were talking about this car that I had just bought a couple months ago. And he asked if I wanted to roll that into the loan. And I was like, uh, uh, I mean, I didn't know. <laughs> and at first I was like, cause the way he pitched it to me, he was like, we can roll that into the loan. That way you've just got one payment that covers everything. And, uh, your payment would, instead of being 400 bucks a month or whatever it was, uh, it'll only be, you know, 20 something bucks. And so I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And then I was like, wait, so I'd basically be paying for the car though for the whole 30 yeah, for years. 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah, yeah. like, Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, thank you. Yeah. So, uh, can you show me how that math works over yeah. 30 years? <laughs> and uh, I remember um, one thing very clearly, and that was for income. He was telling me at first I was going to need uh, some bank statements. And then um, there's something that went on and, and I, maybe it was like taking too long or whatever. And he was like, you know what? We, we got it figured out. But I found out after the fact that they had just like, they just wrote that I made mm -hmm whatever they mm -hmm. put down. Yeah. That's what they were doing. And yeah. so they got the loan approved mm -hmm. and, but there's so much sketchy stuff with that. Like mm -hmm. the loan was way too easy to get. Yeah. They were throwing money at me and then he put me on a, uh, 6% um, arm that was fixed for one year. 
And so I was a 6% arm. And I remember after that year went up, so my payment was like 1660 a month or something. And then the, I can't remember what percentage rate it went to, mm-hmm. but my payment went to 2,900. It was just out of the blue. It was like the 13th month it went to 2,900. I remember calling the bank and I was like, Hey, there's a problem with my bill. Like yeah. <laughs> this, this isn't right. I usually pay 1600 yeah. and they're like, no, well your rate went up and, and they were relentless. They were like, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, and, and that, that was the whole problem. You know, they, they didn't verify. They didn't, it, it was just a money grab, you know, it was just so easy to get a loan. And now it's definitely not the case. And, you know, I'll, I'll get kind of the grumpy guy. That's like, well, my last loan. And I'm like, Sir, I don't know when the last time you bought a house was, yeah. but there's been some financial things that have happened. Yes. <laughs> and it's a little different. Yeah. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of paperwork that goes into it. But, I mean, all that to be said is, you know, I want to vet the process to make it as easy as possible because, I mean, I'm a, I understand. Like, when you're going to buy a house, you're you're looking at the, the foundation. Is this a good investment? Does my wife like it? Where's the school district? You know, yeah. And, and all these different things. The last thing that you want to be doing is you know, having a loan originator or a processor sucking the life out of you, just asking for documents over and over and over again because yeah. that their process is really difficult, Yeah. right? And so <clears throat> really that that's my goal is to make it as seamless as possible. You get to the closing table, you know you're going to close, you, you, you feel good and you, all your energy is like, I'm going into a new house. That's yes. what you're worried about, not, yes. not, not getting the financing. Yeah. So. Well, and that's, that's really important. And I think to your point, it, it is important for people to understand that like the loan process has changed after mm-hmm. 2009, yeah. there were a lot of new regulations that were put in place mm-hmm. and that was to protect the consumer right? because people were getting it like me. I got in way over mm-hmm. my head. I mm-hmm. didn't know what I was signing. And I mean, it ended up being a train wreck right. that I watched happen in slow motion for eight <laughs> months. So, you yeah. know, like just watching that whole process unfold. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's a lot of more, or rather a lot more sort of red tape yep. that goes into buying a house and everything. Mm-hmm. I know, uh, one of our, one of our files, you guys have had to <clears throat> write a few letters of explanation. Yeah. And, yeah. There's like, a lot of those updated bank statements <laughs> yeah. and, and everything. Well, and that, that's just part of it. You know, um, the government's going to make sure that they know exactly where the money's coming from, what your income is. Um, there's good and bad with the, the new regulation. I mean, there are some things where you're like, man, this has no common sense, right? It's yeah. like, I'm just appealing to a guideline to get your loan closed, and I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like that, that's what, what I agree with. Yeah, I'm it. like, I'm sorry, but I have to have this. Um, but there, there is a lot of good things. I mean, there was a lot of people that did not know what they were getting into. They didn't understand the, the adjustments. They didn't understand the rate and I mean, it put a lot of people in a hard situation for sure. So I hear a lot of people talking about, you know, the, the, um, price increases that we've seen over the last 24 months and, um, all the sort of economic instability or Mm -hmm. seeming instability. Uh, and, and I get the question a lot in the last couple of weeks, like, Hey, is the bubble bursting or is it about to burst? And, uh, I, I kind of have my own opinion on it, but I'm curious to know what you think. Yeah. I wouldn't say that there's a bubble bursting. I mean, I wouldn't say that, you know, we're, we're headed for another OA. I would say, you know, inflation has been going up for some time. Like I, I think the fed acted way too slow. Um, yeah. and you know, I, when, when you say the fed acted too slow, you mean 
they because in 2020 they were injecting a lot of cash into the yes. economy to uh, kind of revive everything. They lowered right. interest with, rates with COVID. You know, they, their worry was that the economy there wasn't going to be enough money circulating, and that they wanted to stimulate the economy with money. Um, and keep interest rates low. And so, you know, everybody got used to this two and a half, two point seven five interest rate, which we'd never seen before. I mean, um, you know, when my dad bought his first house, it was like sixteen percent. When you bought yours, it was six. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think what we're seeing is a correction of the market. Um, but yeah, prices are definitely going up, but I mean, I, I don't I don't foresee anything bursting necessarily uh i mean the last month i mean we were talking the other day i mean rates have increased from an average you know across the country from like 3.9 to almost four and a half now oh i didn't realize they went up that high yeah so the average conventional loan i mean last time i checked it was yesterday was like 4.45 okay Um, conventional yeah and so i mean it's definitely different times but i think it's needed you know we have i mean i'm sure you've seen listings you know, few and far between recently. Well, and that's, that's kind of the thing. And it's one of the topics that stimulates these conversations. Mm -hmm. We'll be talking about the lack of inventory, um, or, um, just how fast everything's moving. And I think, I, I don't know exactly what it is, but I feel like people look at what's going on right now and maybe they just sort of associate the 08, 09 crisis with, Mm -hmm. you know, similar things that they're seeing in the market. Mm -hmm. Um, but, what, what I've been telling people is that I, I don't think we're going to end up in a situation like 09 mm-hmm. at all, because I think, and you know, like you said, the banks are being much more strict with guidelines, who can buy what, mm-hmm. how much people can afford. There's a lot more red tape. Yeah. So the consumer is being protected. These are much better loans that right. are being dished out. They're, well, and lower interest. And, I mean, and that, lower that, interest. Their payments are lower. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I don't think we're, we're headed for a crisis. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also don't think anyone can predict right. what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, but I guess what, what I sort of foresee is I, I think we're going to have a very strong summer market, mm-hmm. uh, spring and summer, I think is going to be great. I think listings are starting to tick up. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we'll continue continue to see that. Mm-hmm. I think, um, prices are probably going to stay close to where they are right now per foot. I don't think they can go much higher. I think it is just really destroying affordability. Um, but I think as we wind down later in the summer and come into the fall market, I think that's when we're going to start thing, seeing things slow down. And uh, I, I personally think we're going to see more like price reductions and things like that happening in the fall and in the winter. Yeah, I, I would hope so. I think, you know, the I, I'm ready for the day where 50000 over asking isn't something anymore. You yeah. know, um, I mean, it's just crazy. Um, but I, I think a lot of people are moving out, you know, from the West and, you know, move into central United States and they have a lot of money so they, they can afford that kind of thing. And so I think that's part of the issue too, is, you know, when you have, you know, millionaire Mike coming out from West and, you know, you got your, your normal Joe Schmo, like he's, he's not going to put down 50,000 over asking, yeah, you know, can't and so, to. yeah, one, I mean, once those houses sell for that, you know, that's what they're technically valued at. So it starts that precedent. Yeah. And so it's crazy. So <clears throat> I, I think the idea of, you know, these interest rates getting higher, I mean, you're still, I mean, it doesn't sound good now when we've been listening to, you know, two and a half interest rates for so long, but, you know, four and a half 
traditionally or historically it's not a bad rate at all um i mean it's still affordable you can still get in the house but i I think really what the attempt is is to kind of price out some of these people from buying such expensive houses and so hopefully that will correct the market a little bit the value of the houses will kind of taper off or you know come to you know at least a halt yes um and so that way we can kind of have a more level playing field for people trying to get into houses and that, and that kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. So do you think that these rates going up a couple ticks will, will slow buyers uh, coming to the marketplace? I, I think it depends on what market you're in. I think if okay. you're in California, yeah. I mean, yeah. four and a half percent on a million dollars is a lot more interest than, you know, 200,000. Um, and so... I, I I can't predict the future, but I think that there will be some people um, that, you know, decide that they're going to hold off. I mean, I think some people truly believe that rates will go back down. I, I don't think that's going to happen. No. Um, yeah, no. Uh, I, I don't think, I mean, just from what the Federal Reserve is saying, I don't think they can. Um, but I, I don't I mean, know that they should. No. You know, it just sounds like a bad idea. I've always associated interest rates with, <clears throat> if the rates are going down, the government's saying we want you to spend money yes. or, or we want you to borrow money. Yes. If the rates are going up, it's the government's way of saying, hey, we, we don't want you to borrow this yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or borrow as much. Right. You know? Yeah, I agree. Okay. So uh, with one of the issues that we've been seeing in the marketplace is new construction mm-hmm. um, being behind the gun. Yeah. And I think that's because we had that 10-year gap where we we're manufacturing less than 50% of what we needed to keep up with growth. Mm-hmm. Um I wonder how interest rates going up is going to affect new construction because what I'm seeing is it's really just starting to ramp up and it's starting to get where it needs to be. And I think a lot of builders have sort of, uh, you know, you go back a couple of years, we're probably not certain that they should be investing all of this capital into these smaller communities or developments. They didn't know if they were going to get their money back. Mm-hmm. Well, now that rates were low, they kicked it into high gear. They started building all these homes. You've got, um, I think it was uh, Tabor uh, is going to do close to 900 homes this year. Mm-hmm. And so it's like really a lot of new construction going mm-hmm. on. But with rates ticking up, do you see builders starting to back out or slow down or i mean i wouldn't think so i mean we have a problem right now with how many houses are listed so i i would hope not i'm glad that they're building that many homes i think i mean what we're seeing in the the market right now and i think you could attest to is you know used properties and older properties are i mean they're a hot commodity because there's not enough new builds coming up and so i think these you know older homes are they they continue to go up in value keep getting pressed up and up and up and you know, it's because we can't keep up with the, the need. And so when you only have so many listings and the demand for those listings is far outweighing that, yeah. you know, I it's really interesting to see because, you know, uh, in, in Dallas, you know, a lot of people are paying more for used houses than new houses because you can't get in them. Really? Yeah. And so and the, ho- the house market is just crazy. And so, I mean, we have one potential buyer, you know, down in a suburb of Dallas. He's been waiting. I mean, we've been talking since, man, I want to say November. And his house was supposed to be done this month. And I mean, this is a new construction. Yeah. And they'll be lucky to get it by July. Like they, they don't have the dry, they don't have the, the drywall up. Like we can't get windows. 
Um, like they were, you know, weeks and weeks behind, you know, making the septic. It's just they're having trouble getting the materials in to keep up with the the housing. Yeah. And so when there's no new product, the the old product is can continue to get more valuable. This is this is what's trippy about this market is there's there's so many things that are mm-hmm. playing into um, the supply mm-hmm. and demand like. On the buyer side, we've got um, lower interest rates of stimulated buying. Plus, we've got um, all-time uh, record uh, U.S. savings. Uh, like I, I forget the exact exact number. I want to say it was nineteen thousand was the average amount of savings that the American has right mm-hmm. now, or in twenty twenty one. And I was thinking, like, oh, when's the last time the average person in America had almost twenty thousand dollars in savings? Well, and I mean, that's that's good and bad, right? I mean, having nineteen thousand, like, if you use it to do something, sure. like, that's great. Like, buy a house, put it in the market, whatever. Um, but I mean, if you just let it sit there, I mean, with how inflation's going, I mean, you're just essentially being taxed, right? That money that's a is, good way to look at yeah, it. that money is becoming less and less valuable. Yeah. So I mean, it makes sense to put it somewhere, right? Yeah. It, that's something to hedge your bet, you know, whether it's real estate, whether it's the market, what whatever your thing is, I mean, it makes sense to put it into some sort of, you know, something that can return investment. Yeah. Um, but that, that, that is a good point. I, I didn't know that. Yeah, 19, it was it was a wild number. I mean, yeah. I remember it blowing my mind. I was like, mm-hmm. oh, it, seems a, it seems like a lot. Yeah. But so we've got that going on on the buyer side. And then on the seller's side, you know, you've got record-breaking prices mm-hmm. and, you know, all of this stuff that's encouraging people to sell. But there's also that looming uncertainty mm-hmm. that is, I think, preventing people from listing their homes right now. Right. And so one of the things that I've been talking or talking, uh, discussing with sellers is things like seller contingencies mm-hmm. and uh, us pretty much writing into the the listing agreement or or um, countering whatever offers we get say uh, to say that you know the seller needs 30 45 days 60 days whatever it is mm-hmm. to make arrangements for their next home and right. so trying to you know give sellers some more options mm-hmm. uh, well and I, I think it makes a lot of sense you know if you sell your house right now and, and you're making tons of money off equity, and you're really not at much risk if you're just rolling equity into the next house. Because, I mean, if the market were to go down or up, like whatever you sold your house at, I mean, it's going to be at market value, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, if you're just taking equity from one house and putting it into another that you really enjoy, I mean, it's smart. I mean, you can afford a little bit more house, maybe lower your payment. I mean, I've talked to a lot of people about doing that. I mean, uh, as to... That's a, well, that's a good... You just said something. You say you said you're you're buying and selling in the same market. Yeah, so you're just moving the equity. Yeah, that's that's essentially all it is. That's a really good way to phrase yeah. it. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're pumping a lot of cash in, then then you take a little bit more risk, and you know, if the house price drops or whatever. But I mean, it, the equity is the equity of the home. Like mm-hmm. if you are doing it in the same month, it, it shouldn't really affect you that much. Yeah. Yeah. So if you've got someone that's selling, mm-hmm. and let's say they're netting a hundred thousand, mm-hmm. would it be wise for them to take? all of that money and put it into the new home? I mean, I think it depends on the situation. I I think, you know, maybe they want to invest in a small business. Maybe they, you you know, I think if they can make the monthly payment and they feel comfortable in that and, you know, if it's their budget maybe they don't put all of it in there. But I think even if they choose to decide to put all that equity in there, I, I don't see it as, you know, very high risk because I mean, let's say that they, you know, 
decide to hold on to that house and then they sell it a year from now and the market tanks. It's like, well, the price of that home that you're selling is just going to be determined in the market and the equity that you pull out of it is just going to be the same, right? Mm -hmm. So if you would have made $50,000 a year from now and you roll all that money in, it's like it's the same money. It's just what the market is telling you it's worth. And yeah. so I'm maybe that's not making sense, but I yeah I mean, to, no. to me it makes sense. I no, know. I got you. Yeah. I think some people would be worried about um, putting maybe a hundred thousand. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, th- say they net hundred thousand on a sale, mm-hmm. putting all that cash into the new house. Yeah. And now they're like, well, hey, I don't have any cash, right. and you know, uh, my my new home, let's say, is worth um, three hundred on the market right now. Mm-hmm. I only owe two hundred on it, mm-hmm. but if the market goes down next year or two years from now, and it's only worth you know two sixty or whatever, I'm not gonna have the same money. But to your point, it is the same. Yeah, because the it, house that you you should potentially be buying will be less expensive. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Man, economics. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, there was something else I was going to touch on. Um, and it's, it's slipping my mind, but we, mm-hmm. we had just glossed over it a minute ago. Uh, anyway, so, uh, what else is happening in the mortgage world right now? Mortgage world? I mean, it's just finding listings, man. Finding yeah. people that are getting contracts on homes. I think, you know, it's been, a little bit slower. Um, uh, hopefully, you know, the spring turns volume a little bit. People get a little yeah. bit. I mean, everything going on in the world right now has probably made some people a little bit reserved about the way that they want to, and you know, and take risk. You know, we're not really sure what's going on in Ukraine and how is that going to weigh out and gas prices and all that fun stuff that gets everybody real happy. <laughs> <laughs> so, I think it's it's such a sensitive topic too. Anytime you talk about these, like political Mm -hmm. things there's people with different um opinions Mm -hmm. and they vary very widely right um so i i always try and stay out of stay out of politics but i did like i made a video the other day that kind of just said like hey i get it there's a lot of uncertainty in the marketplace right now uh but if you're waiting for everything to feel right i mean you're probably going to be waiting for a while oh absolutely And I think that if, like, if you're selling your house or you're thinking about selling your house while the market's mm-hmm. high, I think like this spring and this summer is the time to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, because again, I don't see rates going lower than what they are. I no. mean, I, I don't have a crystal ball. And if I did, I'd be doing something else, making a lot more money. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, I, I don't know, maybe I'd be a day trader, but um, yeah. I... You know, I don't see interest rates getting any lower. So if you're wanting to, you know, leverage yourself and be at a decent interest rate, I think now is the time to do it. And I, I think it can be intimidating. I mean, selling a house, I mean, you're, you're dealing with hundreds of thousands of dollars. So it, there, there's a lot of stress that comes with that, right? Yeah. And so I, I get people's, you know, hesitation or, you know, uncertainty with, you know, what's going on. But to your point, yeah, there's never a perfect time. Mm-hmm. Have you um, have you heard any of these people talking about? Um, oh, Zillow says my house is worth this, or you know the the what's it called the Zestimate? Yeah, Zestimate says I I've had a lot of buyers where they're looking at buying a house, and the house that they're looking at, the Zestimate is different from the list price. Yeah, and you know sometimes it's it's higher, sometimes it's a little bit lower. Um, but they always think that, you know, Zillow says the house is worth this. And uh, I'll, I'll always try and, you know, kind of combat that with, hey, this this is just an algorithm. 
that, you know, they, they take into account. I, I don't know what all they, I don't know yeah. how to read the algorithm, right. but I'm assuming it's just whatever market data they have. They mm-hmm. say, Hey, based on this, we think this home is probably worth this, mm-hmm. but that's vastly different from the appraised value of a home. Right. So we had an issue recently, yep. not, not an issue, but we had an appraisal come in low. A hiccup. Yeah, a hiccup, yeah. <laughs> a speed bump. Yeah. Uh, but this house was listed at two sixty nine nine, mm-hmm. and the appraisal ended up coming in at 250000 mm-hmm. And um, I think there were a few different factors. Um, we thought that it was just the price per square foot was an issue mm-hmm. uh, because it was uh, it was a high. You know, we, we there was nothing else. There were no comps right. in that year or anything that that matched that price per square foot. But we uh, ended up finding that it was actually the measurement of the home was off. Right. You know, when the appraiser came out and measured, um, this is an older home in Guthrie, and there walls had some angles mm-hmm. and. I learned that the appraiser takes the measurements five feet off the ground, which I did not know. And so that cut out a lot of our square footage and made the price per square foot go up. And so the appraisal came in 19,000 low. Mm -hmm. Um, But I had, uh, the buyer was asking me the whole time. He said, you know, Zillow says it should be worth 300,000. So why is it coming in at 250,000? And I, kept having to explain that, you know, it's, it's the measurement of the home, it's the price per square foot. And also the Zestimate means nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was just curious if you hear anything on your end about people talking about that kind of stuff or, or issues with appraisal versus what Zillow says. Yeah. You know, Zillow is, I, I always tell my clients, you know, it's a good ballpark estimate, you know, it, it gets you in the ballpark, okay. but it's definitely not an exact science. Yeah. Um, you know, if I do like a refinance, like I have to come up with a value, I'll, I'll use Zillow. Like I, I don't take it as like the final say, you know, but I, I think it's just, I mean, they take, you know, market data, but they're not in the market, right? Exactly. They, they don't know the trends of the market, right? So maybe what their, their data says is, you know, it should be X amount, but I mean, if they're not in the market seeing how buyers and consumers are behaving and those, you know, that they're, they might not be exact up to date on, you know, the last several comparables that, you know, sold to that house you're looking at, you know? Um, I, I just think it's, and, and appraisals are just weird in general, right? It's like, I, I've never met an appraiser, like a legitimate appraiser, just like out on the streets, like the secret society that I'm yeah. not like a <laughs> part, not of. part of. Yeah. I, it's really hard to become one. Um, if you, figure out how to do it. And I think you make decent money. Um, but yeah, I think it's just really interesting because it's, you know, one person's opinion on a house that has a lot of weight and there's a lot of emotion in it. And so, and it's like what they say. Yep. I mean, that is it. Yeah. Like getting them, we, we had this conversation several times with, with this deal we're talking about having or asking an appraiser to adjust their appraised value is like questioning someone's like artwork. Yeah. Oh, it's like you're wrong. Like yeah. you're, you're just yeah, basically you're, you're saying you're, you're you, wrong. you just like write up a, a synopsis and you're like, Hey, you're wrong. Here hey, you go. Here, here are here, the here, reasons here, why you and, are wrong. And you should change this. And so essentially yeah. they're having to sign off saying you're right, which yeah. is a really, I mean, it's a delicate thing. You know, if you want to challenge an appraisal, um, very few get changed. Uh, but it, do- it does happen. It does. Yeah, it does. But I mean, I think it takes a, uh, humble person, mm-hmm. you know, to say, yeah, I can see where you're coming from. Maybe I value that a little low. Yeah. 
Um, but it's also, you know, it's a crazy time with people offering over asking price or, you know, just inflation in general. You know, it, it's a weird time to value, value a property, you know, and it's funny, even on Zillow, you know, I was thinking while you were talking about that, it's like, you can see this estimate at the top, but if you scroll down a little bit, it's like, the range is like, yeah. sometimes 80 grand, you know, difference. It's yeah. like, it could be the bottom of this or the top of that, and you're like, well, Zillow, that's a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean. It's the same way in the, like, when I look through the county records, uh, they'll, the, the tax assessor has their, um, you know, basically like their estimated value mm -hmm. and it's not like an appraised value or anything but they'll say you know the home's worth you know 157 to 192 yeah and it's that same thing you're like man we're talking a forty thousand dollar spread here yeah you know yeah uh, like i hope the you know appraiser wakes up on the right side of the bed today just it's that top mark right okay. or, or the bottom whatever you're, you're looking for but do you being that you're in the dallas market too do you see a lot of issues with appraisal down there um, I've had more have for you? sure. Well, and I think it's just, you know, you have a wider range, right? Yeah. I mean, the, the price per square foot is everything, right? If it's off just a, you know, $10, you, I mean, you've seen what, what it can do. And so I think, you know, being in a more modest market, honestly, is more ideal for appraisals. Yeah. Um, cause you're not so worried about real highs, highs or real low lows. Um, you, you kind of hit that sweet spot a little bit more, but I mean, there's definitely, I mean, th there was a guy I did a, a loan for. I mean, he put one hundred and ten thousand dollars over asking, and he was like, "What? Yeah, one hundred and ten thousand. And he's like, "You know, how do you think it'll appraise?" And I'm like, "I'm just gonna tell you right now, it is not going to appraise, and you're going to have to pay the difference. Like, yeah. I, and there's nothing I can do about it. like, cause that's just nuts. Like, people do that though. I mean, my next door neighbor, um, I don't know if I told you this, a guy from California, like." day one of it being on the market was like, hey, just name the price and we'll make it work. Like, uh, <laughs> no, like I, I don't know where these people are coming from or what line of work they're in, but... They're I putting know. a lot of money into yeah. houses. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, not everyone can afford to pay a uh, $19,000, $30,000, $40,000 appraisal gap. No, I mean, because you're risking, you know, you're, you're putting more down, right, because you're going at the higher sales price, but then if it doesn't come back, you're, you know, risking either losing your earnest or paying all that that it didn't appraise for, right? Yeah. So, yeah, it's just, I mean, it's a, it's a mad world we're living in. That's rough, dude. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Well, and so on this one, the appraisal came in 19000 low. Mm -hmm. We got very lucky because the seller was willing to work with us. Right. Um, they had owned the house for a while. They had a lot of equity in it. Mm -hmm. um, and it just happened to be the right situation where she kind of needed to sell it mm -hmm. and uh, you know was fine coming down on the sales price a little bit um, but we also it, it was unique for another reason and in this market you don't get a seller to pay closing costs no and on this one we did have the seller paying some closing costs right and it was a good chunk of change too it's like sixty six hundred dollars or something and so I know, I don't know if you were, I was terrified the whole time. I was like, man, we're like, something's going to go wrong here because yeah. there's no way we're going to get this seller to come down $19,000 yeah. and still pay closing costs. But going back to jumping through hoops, we, uh, you know, the seller ended up coming down on the sales price a little bit. Uh, you worked some magic on your side to yeah. get some lender credit yeah. to help with the closing costs. Mm -hmm. Seller didn't pay everything we asked for in closing costs, but still paid some. Yeah. And we managed to get the deal done. Yeah. 
But it, like that, we had to put those puzzle pieces together. That right. didn't just fall into place. Well, and I think that that goes back to you know having a good team around you when you buy a house. Like that's why it's so important to have a a real estate agent that can negotiate a contract on your behalf. I mean, a lot of people right now with the market being crazy, it's like I don't need a listing agent. It's like, well, I mean, you might think that, but there's a lot of value that a realtor would provide for you. I mean, whenever I talk to a client, I'm like first question I talk to is like, do you have a good realtor? Because I mean, there's just no way to know what you don't know, right? And if you don't work in the industry, you know, real estate people are professional. Like a lot of people don't get that. It's like they, they work very hard and they have a lot of knowledge on, you know, what goes into that contract? What, how do I protect you, right? Because I mean, if you were running a contract in any other situation, like you want to know the ins and outs of that contract. Yeah. And it's funny that people kind of get high on their horse a little bit um, in real estate because the market's hot. But I mean, if you don't have a good, you know, a realtor that's going to, you know, negotiate a good option period, leave a back door for you if something goes wrong or, you know, it really has your best interest. I mean, you're leaving yourself up to, you know, a little bit of pain down the road if something were to go wrong and so uh, I think having a good team around you when you buy a house is super important especially I mean we're all invested in you getting the home like we all want to see like and I think it should be deeper than that obviously there's a monetary value that comes with it but I mean sure I mean at the end of the day like we're we're in business to earn a living right and I mean we don't get paid unless that house closes right which I think is is actually a great thing yes because there's some of these deals where there's a real chance that they might not close. Right. And and I know all of us go into overdrive, we're like, no, we got this. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. well, it's like start... the sleepless nights, calls at nine o'clock, you're like, hey, yeah. we're figuring this out. Yeah. And, and that's why you want that team around you. I think, you know, it, it really is important to have people that are in your corner fighting for you to get that house done. Um, if you're, you know, looking at buying a house. I mean, it's the biggest investment of your life. Like, there's a reason why people are emotional buying houses. It's because it's like when you're a little kid, you think like, man, $10,000 is a lot of money. It's like, well, think about buying something that's three or $400,000, right? Yeah. It's like, that is the biggest, like, it's most people's biggest purchase of their lifetime. Yes. And like, far and away. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, you were saying earlier, uh, some of these sellers, you know, they just think because the market's hot, they don't need an agent. And I, I understand their train of thought because they say, hey, you know, the house is going to sell itself. I'll pocket more money mm-hmm. and all of this. But you're right. I mean, it takes one hiccup and, you know, you thought you were going to net 120 grand. Your appraisal came in $30,000 low, $40,000 low. Who's negotiating that for you? Yeah. You know, who's, who's calling that appraiser to, you know, work this out? I mean, or they could have set something up beforehand that would have made it not your responsibility, right? Yes, like, yeah, exactly. So you put in I mean, appraisal contingencies. Yeah, and stuff like that. So, yeah. I mean, good, if you want to try it, I mean, good luck to you. I mean, I, I hope yeah. it works out. But seriously, I do. Yeah. But um, I think that there's some wisdom in having, I mean, we always, I, I think the most successful people aren't the smartest but kind of like what you were saying uh, with uh, Mr. Ford earlier, you know, at the click of a button, I'm an expert telling me what I need to do, exactly. right? And so I think people that are teachable, humble, willing to take people's advice, I think that's super important, especially in things that you aren't an expert in. Yeah. And even then, you should probably take people's advice, right? So it's super important, like very, very important. Yeah, 
I agree. So before we wrap this up, yeah. I want to say I want to say thank you for this. Oh yeah. By the way, so I'm a, I'm not the like I'm not a big drinker. Yeah. But. I do enjoy drinking like a whiskey or a bourbon whenever I do drink. Right. I used to drink a lot. Yeah. I had to taper back. This <laughs> was what I drank. Okay. Uh, but now it's just it's one every once in a while. But I've never had this. This is a Texas straight bourbon whiskey, Firestone and Robert Robertson. Yeah. This yeah. is pretty cool. Yeah. Texas is very proud of yeah. Texas stuff, so had to bring it up. Yeah. Well, I appreciate <laughs> it. I had a uh, had another buddy who I had on. We were talking about. Um, you know, the putting the pieces together to um, start a small development or small community, mm-hmm. and he had brought over some Elijah Craig, and so we sat up here at you know seven or eight o'clock and had a couple drinks, and and by the end we were like, I don't know if this is one we should put on air. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned, you know, don't don't drink during the podcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But still, I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. And uh, so I'm curious for for anyone that's watching and, and wants to know like a little bit more about you. Who are you outside of like the mortgage world? I know your dad, your husband. You know what's what's life for Brandon like outside of real estate? I mean, it's a lot of kiddos right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah we've been married for five years. Uh, we just celebrated our anniversary in December. Um, Congratulations! Our first kid's birthday was in January. Just turned three, so. And we're just, uh, our, our youngest is just learning how to walk, so, I mean, okay. it's just craziness. Um, just a lot of kiddos, and, I mean, man, I think, I, I just, kind of like you, I just live and breathe this stuff. I mean, this is like, it's a job that never stops, you yeah. know? Sometimes my wife, you know, wants to wring my neck a little bit, but... Hey, you and me both. <laughs> yeah, so, but, I mean, people, uh, this is an, an odd field, right? That there's a... There's a lot of things that, that go on that people don't see and that, you know, that you're having to do that people don't see. Um, and so, yeah, because a lot of people, they, they think that it's, you know, so I had a guy ask me the other night, he's like, he's like, man, every time I call you, you sound busy. And he's like, what's, what's a day in the life like for Craig? You just sell one house and, and you're done, dude. Yeah, yeah. I sell that one house yeah, yeah. and that, you know, <clears throat> uh, but I don't think people understand, like, yeah, I'm, I'm always busy because you gotta you gotta keep this thing going, and when you have the momentum, you gotta capitalize on it. And also, I, I really do legitimately enjoy what I do. Right. I, I enjoy helping these people. I enjoy like sitting down and talking to them about what it is they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish. Because everyone at the end of the day has a goal they're trying to achieve, whether they're buying or selling. Either they're selling because they want to net this much, or put their kid through college, or have their savings, or you know, buy up or downsize, whatever it is. Um, so I kind of like uncovering that and, and finding those motives and then seeing how I can help. And if I can, you know, let's say you had a goal of selling your house and netting, you know, 45,000. Well, man, if I can net you 60, like that's great. You yeah. know, and, and I want to find out how I can do that. And, uh, it takes a lot of time, mm-hmm. you know? And so I, I get up in the morning and, and, you know, I'll go to the gym and get the day started by nine o'clock. I'm, grinding this stuff out and then I don't stop till like nine o'clock right and so it's <laughs> same thing my, my wife's usually like you know sitting in the living room just kind of yeah on. yeah <laughs> yeah there's a there's a lot of times where my wife is like if you're not off the phone by 6 30 I'm gonna kill you <laughs> like, these people and then and then Craig calls you at nine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it just it just happens and I, I think there's a lot of things that like even on the lending side, you know, we're, we're looking through documents all the time. And I, I can't tell you how many times I see something and I go, Ooh, like that's going to be an issue. Right. Yeah. But it's, 
it's something that we don't want to talk to you guys about until we have a solution, right? And so That's it's like, you, you don't want a person, you know, trying to buy a house going, am I going to get, like, he said there, there was something weird about this, like, what, what's going on here? That's true. I mean, there's a lot of uh, stuff that goes behind the scenes where we're, we're doing our homework and making sure that we have a solution for you before we bring you a problem or, or something like that, because I, I don't know if you know this, the government likes to find problems. That, they? They, yeah, they, 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 they love that. They, they love making things just a little harder. Yeah. So doing, doing some government loans is sometimes a little bit more uh, colorful. Yeah. yeah. Hey, you know, before we wrap this up, actually, there was something I remembered what I was going to ask you earlier. <laughs> so we were talking about conventional, mm -hmm. FHA, USDA. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know just from having done these loans so many times that uh, USDA, despite putting no money down, is mm -hmm. going to be lower than you know, even an FHA, yep. um, and you had said that mortgage insurance is, is a big monthly expense that plays yep. into that monthly payment. Mm -hmm. And the way that I have sort of always explained that mortgage insurance is it's more or less an insurance policy that you're paying for, uh, uh, for the security of the bank. Yeah. And, but can you go into, into depth on that just real quick? Like what, what is that exactly? Yeah. I mean, I don't love it. I mean, I, I, mean, <laughs> I don't it's think. A good chunk of yeah, no, it is. Um, hundred twenty, hundred sixty bucks a month. Or yeah. More. Well, the good news is, is you know, if you have a good credit score and you go conventional, it's really not that bad. Like, mm -hmm. if you have like mid seven hundreds, um, you know, and, and you're going conventional, you can find fifty, sixty dollars a month. Which sure. uh, honestly, on the, you know, when you're looking at the total monthly payment, it's not that bad. Right? No, no. Uh, on the government loans, they're going to charge you a little bit more. Um, I mean, I, I think, don't quote me, uh, I think it's like 0.83% on FHA, I want to say. Uh, that might be wrong. Don't quote me. Um, but it, it's like yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, it, it's like in the hundreds, yeah. uh, like not, not multiple hundreds, but like 150 or something like that. Depending yeah, on how that, that sounds about right. Um, I think and, for like a $250,000 house in Logan County, I was seeing like, 123 or 130 yeah, or something like that. Which honestly, and, and I talk to people about this a lot because you know I have the the people that want to quote Gordon Ramsay at me and you know have to have 20 percent. I'm like, hey, listen, I there, there's no one way to like do stuff, but Gordon Ramsay's very good at a lot of things. But I mean, with interest rates this low, I mean, we're we're seeing them come up now. I mean, if you get a good interest rate. And you can build an asset. I, I, I mean, I'm paying mortgage insurance right now in my house. I don't want to put the full 20% down because I have a great interest rate. And so, uh, you know, it's just, it depends on, you know, what your financial goals are and your temperament. If you're really strict, like no, no mortgage insurance, no debt, that, that type of thing. But honestly, if I pay a little bit more a month to, to get in and not spend as much money, which I mean, I personally, I want FHA. I, I didn't go conventional. I could have done conventional, but and in our line of work, you know, sometimes you ride a hot season and you, you <laughs> want to make sure that you take some of that home. And, yeah. and so I, I didn't want to put all my money in, like, uh, which is a lot of USDA people too. But, um, you know, I was okay with paying a little bit of mortgage insurance because my rate was so low. And so, I mean, if you can, you know, afford the monthly payments and build an asset and, you know, create generational wealth for your family, I mean, it's super smart, even if there's a little mortgage insurance on it. Brandon, I really appreciate you coming up, yeah. sitting down and talking with me a little bit. This is really cool. And 
I hope that you guys got uh, some, you know, some stuff from it, got some little sound bites, some takeaways, learned a thing or two about mortgage. We're going to have to do this again. Yeah, absolutely. Because I, I feel like that we really kind of just glossed over some things, but there are some loan programs that we could probably like deep dive into, oh, talk yeah. a little bit more about qualifications, and mm-hmm. even run some scenarios and kind of talk numbers. That right, cool absolutely. To sometime too. Yeah. Thanks for awesome. having me on, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, brother. We'll do it on the next one. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Awesome sauce. Awesome, awesome. That was great. I did not feel like that one. Thank, thank <sighs> no, we got a few minutes left the other night. He's like, he's like, man, every time I call you, you sound busy. And he's like, what's what's a day in the life like for Craig? You just sell one house and you're done, dude. Yeah, yeah. I sell that one house a month. Yeah. And that, you know. <clears throat> uh, but I don't think people understand, like, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm always busy because you gotta you gotta keep this thing going, and when you have the momentum, you gotta capitalize on it. And also, I I really do legitimately enjoy what I do. Right. I I enjoy helping these people. I enjoy like sitting down and talking to them about what it is they're trying to do, what they're trying to accomplish. Because everyone at the end of the day has a goal they're trying to achieve, whether they're buying or selling. Either they're selling because they want to net this much, or put their kid through college, or have their savings, or you know, buy up or downsize, whatever it is. Um, so I kind of like uncovering that and, and finding those motives and then seeing how I can help. And if I can, you know, let's say you had a goal of selling your house and netting, you know, 45,000. Well, man, if I can net you 60, like that's great. You yeah. know, and, and I want to find out how I can do that. And uh, it takes a lot of time, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I get up in the morning and, and, you know, I'll go to the gym and get the day started by nine o'clock. I'm grinding this stuff out and then I don't stop till like nine o'clock. Right. And so it's the <laughs> same thing. My my wife's usually like, you know, sitting in the living room just kinda Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a there's a lot of times where my wife is like, if you're not off the phone by six thirty, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm like, these people And then and then Craig calls you at nine o'clock. Yeah. <laughs> I mean it just it just happens. And I, I think there's a lot of things that like even on the lending side, you know, we're, we're looking through documents all the time. And I mean, I can't tell you how many times I see something and I go, Ooh, like that's going to be an issue. Right. Yeah. But it's, it's something that we don't want to talk to you guys about until we have a solution. Right. And so that's it's good. like, you, you don't want a person, you know, trying to buy a house going, am I going to get, like, he said there, there was something weird about this. Like what, what's going on here? That's true. I mean, there's a lot of, uh, stuff that goes behind the scenes where we're, we're doing our homework and making sure that, we have a solution for you before we bring you a problem or, or something like that because I I don't know if you know this the government likes to find problems that, do they? They, yeah they they, 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 they love that they, they love making things just a little harder yeah so doing doing some government loans is sometimes a little bit more uh, colorful yeah. yeah hey you know before we wrap this up actually there was something I remembered what I was going to ask you earlier <laughs> so we were talking about conventional mm-hmm. FHA USDA mm-hmm. And uh, I know just from having done these loans so many times that uh, USDA, despite putting no money down, is mm-hmm. going to be lower than, you know, even an FHA. Yep. Um, and you had said that mortgage insurance is, is a big monthly expense that plays yep. into that monthly payment. Mm-hmm. And the way that I have sort of always explained that mortgage insurance is it's more or less an insurance policy that you're paying for uh, for the security of the bank. Yeah. And, but can you go into into depth on that just real quick? Like, what what is that exactly? Yeah, I mean, I don't love it. I mean, I, I, mean, <laughs> I don't think it's a good chunk of change. Yeah, right? no, it is. Um, $120, 160 bucks a month. Or yeah. More. Well, the good news is is you know, 
if you have a good credit score and you go conventional, it's really not that bad. Like, mm-hmm. if you have, like, mid-700s, um, you know, and, and you're going conventional, you can find $50, $60 a month, which, sure. honestly, on the, you know, when you're looking at the total monthly payment, it's not that bad. Right? No, no. Uh, on the government loans, they're going to charge you a little bit more. Um, I mean, I, I think, don't quote me, uh, I think it's like 0.83% on FHA, I want to say. Uh, that might be wrong. Don't quote me. Um, but it, it's to, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's like in the hundreds, yeah. uh, like not not multiple hundreds, but like hundred fifty or something like that, depending yeah. on how that, that house sounds is. about right. Um, I think and, for like a two hundred fifty thousand dollar house in Logan County, I was seeing like one hundred twenty three or hundred thirty yeah, dollars or something so, like that. Which honestly, and, and I talk to people about this a lot because you know I have the the people that want to quote Gordon Ramsay at me, and you know. Have to have twenty percent. I'm like, hey, listen, I there, there's no one way to like do stuff. But Gordon Ramsay's very good at a lot of things. But I mean, with interest rates this low, I mean, we're we're seeing them come up now. I mean, if you get a good interest rate and you can build an asset, I I, I mean, I'm paying mortgage insurance right now in my house. I didn't want to put the full twenty percent down because I had a great interest rate. And so, I uh, you know, it's just it depends on you know what you're financial goals are and your temperament if you're really strict like no no mortgage insurance no debt that that type of thing but honestly if i pay a little bit more a month to to get in and not spend as much money which i i personally i want fha i i didn't go conventional i could have done conventional but i had an hard line of work you know sometimes you ride a hot season and you, you <laughs> want to make sure that you take some of that home and yeah and so i i didn't want to put all my money in like uh which is a lot of usda people too but um you know, I was okay with paying a little bit of mortgage insurance because my rate was so low. And so, I mean, if you can, you know, afford the monthly payments and build an asset and, you know, create generational wealth for your family, I mean, it's super smart, even if there's a little mortgage insurance on it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Brandon, I really appreciate you coming up, yeah. sitting down and talking with me a little bit. This is really cool. And I hope that you guys got uh, some, you know, some stuff from it, got some little sound bites and takeaways, learned a thing or two about mortgage. We're gonna have to do this again, yeah, absolutely. Because I, I feel like that we really kind of just glossed over some things, but there are some loan programs that we could probably like deep dive into, oh, talk yeah. a little bit more about qualifications, and mm-hmm. even run some scenarios and kind of talk numbers. That right, we do sometime too. Yeah, thanks awesome. for having me on, man. Yeah, for sure. All right, brother. We'll do it on the next one. Yeah. All right.